Section 138 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain Letter 169 London, June, Old Style, 1752 My dear friend, Very few celebrated negotiators have been eminent for their learning. The most famous French negotiators, and I know no nation that can boast of abler, have been military men, as Monsieur d'Arcourt, Comte d'Estrade, Marchal d'Uxelles, and others. The late Duke of Marlborough, who was at least as able a negotiator as a general, was exceedingly ignorant of books, but extremely knowing in men, whereas the learned Grotius appeared, both in Sweden and in France, to be a very bungling minister. This is, in my opinion, very easily to be accounted for. A man of very deep learning must have employed the greatest part of his time in books, and a skilful negotiator must necessarily have employed much the greater part of his time with man. The sound scholar, when dragged out of his dusty closet into business, acts by book, and deals with men as he has read of them, not as he has known them by experience. He follows Spartan and Roman precedents in what he falsely imagines to be similar cases, whereas two cases never were, since the beginning of the world, exactly alike, and he would be capable, where he thought spirit and vigor necessary, to draw a circle round the persons he treated with, and to insist upon a categorical answer before they went out of it, because he had read in the Roman history that once upon a time some Roman ambassador did so. No, a certain degree of learning may help, but no degree of learning will ever make a skillful minister, whereas a great knowledge of the world, of the characters, passions, and habits of mankind, has, without one grain of learning, made a thousand. Military men have seldom much knowledge of books. Their education does not allow it. But what makes great amends for that want is, that they generally know a great deal of the world. They are thrown into it young. They see variety of nations and characters, and they soon find that to rise, which is the aim of them all, they must first please. These concurrent causes almost always give them manners and politeness in consequence of which you see them always distinguished at courts, and favoured by the women. I could wish that you had been of an age to have made a campaign or two as a volunteer. It would have given you an attention, a versatility, and an alertness, all which I doubt you want, and a great want it is. A foreign minister has not great business to transact every day, so that his knowledge and his skill in negotiating are not frequently put to the trial but he has that to do every day, and every hour of the day, which is necessary to prepare and smooth the way for his business, that is, to insinuate himself by his manners, not only into the houses, but into the confidence of the most considerable people of the place, to contribute to their pleasures, and insensibly not to be looked upon as a stranger himself. A skilful minister may very possibly be doing his master's business full as well, in doing the honours gracefully and genteelly of a ball or a supper, as if he were laboriously writing a protocol in his closet. The Maréchal d'Arcourt, by his magnificence, his manners, and his politeness, blunted the edge of the long aversion which the Spaniards had to the French. The court and the grandees were personally fond of him, and frequented his house, and were at least insensibly brought to prefer a French to a German yoke which I am convinced would never have happened, had Comte Tarrache been Marshal d'Arcourt, 
or the Marechal d'Arcourt Comte d'Arrache. The Comte d'Estrade had, by ses maniers polis et lions, formed such connections, and gained such an interest in the Republic of the United Provinces, that Monsieur de Witt, the then pensionary of Holland, often applied to him to use his interest with his friend, both in Holland and the other provinces, whenever he, de Witt, had a difficult point which he wanted to carry. This was certainly not brought about by his knowledge of books, but of men. Dancing, fencing, and riding, with a little military architecture, were no doubt the top of his education. And if he knew that collegium in Latin signified college in French, it must have been by accident. But he knew what was more useful. From thirteen years old he had been in the great world, and had read men and women so long that he could then read them at sight. Talking the other day upon this and other subjects, all relative to you, with one who knows and loves you very well, and expressing my anxiety and wishes that your exterior accomplishments, as a man of fashion, might adorn, and at least equal your intrinsic merit as a man of sense and honor, the person interrupted me and said, Set your heart at rest, that never will or can happen. It is not in character that gentleness, that douceur, those attentions which you wish him to have, are not in his nature. And do what you will, nay, let him do what he will, he can never acquire them. Nature may be a little disguised and altered by care, but can by no means whatsoever be totally forced and changed. I denied this principle to a certain degree, but admitting, however, that in many respects our nature was not to be changed, and asserting at the same time that in others it might by care be very much altered and improved, so as in truth to be changed, that I took those exterior accomplishments, which we had been talking of, to be mere modes, and absolutely depending upon the will and upon custom, and that therefore I was convinced that your good sense, which must show you the importance of them, would make you resolve at all events to acquire them, even in spite of nature, if nature be in the case. Our dispute, which lasted a great while, ended as Voltaire observes that disputes in England are apt to do, in a wager of fifty guineas, which I myself am to decide upon honour, and of which this is a faithful copy. If you think I shall win it, you may go my halves, if you please. Declare yourself in time. This I declare, that I would most cheerfully give a thousand guineas to win those fifty. You may secure them me, if you please. I grow very impatient for your future letters from the several courts of Mannheim, Bonn, Hanover, etc., and I desire that your letters may be to me what I do not desire they should be to anybody else, I mean, full of yourself. Let the egotism, a figure which upon all other occasions I detest, be your only one to me. Trifles that concern you are not trifles to me, and my knowledge of them may possibly be useful to you. Adieu. Les grâces, les grâces, les grâces. End of section 138. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.